Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And uh, they say it ain't Has their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break, the great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. Ooh. We're talking about the process at which we do things. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rep, own this rep. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam, Bowen, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. What's up, everybody? Jet fans. And also on the line with us, live from the Wookiee Compounds. Paused the Justice League four-hour Dan Snyder cut just to be with us today. You know him, you love him, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. What is going on, Jet fans? I needed the break, to be honest. It's getting a little (laughs) intense here, and I like it. I like it. Free agency. Last week, we made some predictions, some guys that we hoped we'd get. Some guys that we thought might be realistic. A lot of surprises hit to some of the places guys went. Most of my top list, my most hopeful list of dudes, the top five, a few are still out there. Most of them signed somewhere else. My realistic list that we have, some of those guys came to fruition. We're going to get into that, touch on some of these free agents. I think what you hear, Mike, the consensus, what I read at least, good vibes for what the Jets did, fiscally responsible moves, young guys with upside and loss in, Corey Davis. I, I really think that with those two signings in particular, and Mike, Mike's going to walk us through all the signings here, including bringing back Marcus Way. I think that Joe Douglas has shown that he's not a guy that makes rash moves. Wasn't going to go out and spend like a foolish uh, like a foolish GM, like maybe some people think that maybe the Patriots did. Get into that in a little bit, guys. Have a little data for you on that. But Mike, overall, how did you feel? Big picture real quick. I know it's incomplete. Just a few days in. How you feeling about the free agency, Mike? feel pretty good about it. I would say it's a solid B plus, A minus. Um, just the way he targeted these players, the age, the money, being fiscally responsible. Um did not splurge out uh, like a lot of us wanted him to. I think he read the tea leaves, understood guys like Joe Thune just wasn't in the cards unless he had to go, you know, completely crazy to kind of try to bring a guy like that in. And uh, I believe he knew what the agenda was on the on the table. High level. Look, we got we went and fr- franchised Marcus May, got him back. Right. We'll, we'll see if we get a long deal there. You know, they went after a guy like Jared Davis, line middle linebacker, guy what, that wasn't being utilized uh, the way Detroit, in Detroit, the way he should have been. We'll get more into him. Signing Corey Davis, signing Carl Lawson, Justin Hardy, a tremendous addition on the special teams uh, unit. Keenan Cole, you know, a depth signing at wide receiver. Dan Feeney on the offensive line. I think he needs a lot more work there to be done, but we've got that guy re-signing Vincent Smith, re-signing Josh Adams. I thought those were solid moves. We let go of cats like Pat Fline and Rashard Parabin and Terrell Basham, cut Henry Anderson, you know. Um, so far, I think that the team overall is better. 
And uh, but there's still, I think, a lot of more work to do. We just finished signing Lamarcus Joyner, a new cor- uh, safety. It looks like he'll be playing safety from the ra- uh, cornerback from the Raiders. So that just happened uh, a few minutes ago. So more m- moves. I'm overall, I'm happy with everything. You got to be happy with Joe D right here. I think how I felt initially, and I think a lot of Jeff fans can relate to this, Mike, is when Monday hit, I was expecting for some reason, I don't know why I did this to myself, but I heard Jet fans complaining, friends of ours. You know, even me, I fell into this trap. Uh, I was even texting out to all our friends, Whoop, you know, where I was like, hey, we're not doing nothing. We got all this money. Foodie's going here. Lindsley's going here. Shaq Barrett's going here. What are we doing? Why did we save all this money to do nothing in the greatest fragility class in the history of mankind that everyone says? Jet fans were panicking. I fell into the trap also, Mike. I hate to say it. I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it. I like to think I have an existential approach to this Jet team. We host the show, but no, I got emotional. I was like, what are we doing? We're not signing anyone. Then we grabbed Corey Davis. Yeah. Solid grab. A guy last week on the show we spoke about it I thought could be a realistic addition to the team here. Just looking at the landscape for wide receivers, which I had no idea would be what it is. It did not work out well for wide receivers in free agency this year, as we know. Right. Juju Smith still out there. A bunch of good wide receivers still out there. Galladay technically still out there, even though we thought he was going to sign with the Giants. Taking one more meeting, I think, with the Bears. So that's got to make Giants fans a little nervous. Wook, I know you want to bring that guy in, but probably going to be a, G- a Giant, but you never know. The way that market played out, Corey Davis, to me, was probably the third best receiver out there. Okay, upside yep. guy, a guy you got for a, a pretty decent deal and the type of offense we're going to be running, apparently to all the experts, fits in there perfectly. Almost had a 1,000 yards last year, plenty of touchdowns, five games over 100 yards. Mike, I think, along with grabbing Lawson, and we'll get deeper into Lawson too, it just seems like the type of guys Joe Douglas was looking for was high upside guys that he was not going to overpay for. And I think in conjunction with what Salah is going to do, we're adding speed to the team and we're adding guys, even when we um, add in Davis, it seems like a guy that was had, was coached badly when he was there in Detroit and a guy that's going to fit in well here with, here with Coach Salah. So the grades are good. I would give us a solid B, B plus so far. But what you're looking at still here, Mike, is holes. And now we have 10 draft picks. So we're going to fill some of these holes in the draft, but you still could probably use a running back here. Maybe one of these veteran running backs, Mike. I don't know if you have anyone in mind. So uh, one of these cornerbacks that's still out there. I know uh, Kiwan Williams from San Francisco, 2019, one of the highest rated cornerbacks in the league. He's a slot a slot guy. But if they don't bring back pool, that could be someone we look to add. And then when it comes to O-line too, Mike, Trey Turner. We got Okung still out there. Villain away, what we spoke about last week. Both those guys are a little older. But, I mean, there's still holes to be filled here. And I still think there's some talent out there. And I think what Joe D did, what Joe D did was this. He wasn't out there, Mike, online on Black Friday, clotheslining someone, you know, trying to get that TV. (laughs) He wasn't trying to be the first guy into Best Buy, Joe D, okay? He's the guy that's like, yo, let me sit back. Okay, they got plenty of those TVs in the back. I never know. I never know why people trip over themselves like they do on those days. (laughs) Joe Douglas sat back. He's being smart. He's getting good good guys for good value. Contracts that are team friendly. I mean, you got to be happy with it, Mike. And it seems like this little second, uh, this little second part of free agency could even maybe even bring in a Juju Smith Schuster, which was rumored, which is bandied about today. I know they brought in Keelan Cole today, five million dollar deal. But you gotta you gotta remember, you know, if you go back to last year, if you go back to last year, I'm gonna throw at you guys real quick the receivers <laughs> Sam Darnold had during the game versus the Colts. 
The leading wide receiver on the day was Braxton Berrios, four catches, 64 yards. Lawrence Cager, two catches, 35 yards after that. That's the leading receivers, okay? All the other guys that we had were were hurt. Gore had one catch for five yards. Herndon, three catches, 20 yards. Kalen, 21 yards. Kalen Ballage, five catches for 44 yards. My point... Obviously, as we know, Sam didn't have a lot of weapons, but he's 17 for 29 that day, threw three interceptions, but his weapons were pathetic. So even grabbing a guy like Cole for $5 million, if they were to go get a Juju, say hypothetically, Mike, and give him $10 million a year, and you have Juju, you have Davis, and you have Mims, Cole's just a guy to ask some depth, which we, right. didn't, have, which we didn't have last year. Oh, absolutely. Right. right. I mean, look, uh, from a corner pa- cornerback perspective, Kyle Fuller, Richard Sherman, Adoree Jackson, Fuller. Malcolm Butler, yeah, Xavier Rhodes, KC Hayward, mm. Kawan Williams, which I believe uh, it's rumored we already have an offer on the table for him, which okay. would fill in for the slot. Brian Poole, Desmond Trafant. There are a lot of options out there at cornerback. And I think what Joe Douglas is looking at is this team is far from competing. Right now, if you do what Mike McCagnan did back in 2015 and splurge all of your asset money on assets, right? Like it looks the Patriots did. Once those assets flame out, you're in trouble and you don't have your money invested in long-term players that bring efficiency, bring value to your team you look at a guy like Corey davis and we're going to get into him look at his youth and look at his possibilities and look at how much we're paying him the new england patriots are paying a guy like uh nelson aguilar more per year than the new york jets are paying Corey davis and i can tell you right now nelson aguilar is not as good of a receiver Mm-mm. as Corey davis oh absolutely not and no if you way. want, and I think this is a good job. Do you have any data on all of these ads that the New oh, England you know Patriots did this year? You know what, Mike? I do happen to have a little data. We had our interns hmm. working. We had our interns working full time today at Crystal Lake Studios to whip some stuff up. Because I have to say, the New England Patriots certainly signed a lot of players this week. And they sign guys whose names we know. Hunter Henry's a name people know. John U. Smith for the Titans, the high-profile team. Decent year last year. He's a name people know. Aguilar for reasons because of the Philadelphia News, Wookie. A name people know. When The guy said, I didn't drop that baby like Nelson Aguilar. Put him on last. It became a meme. Um, you know, and born, born to a lesser extent. And then Judon, I think, is the best player the Patriots signed. Effective player. Put him aside for a moment. I just want to throw this at Jet fans because I don't get what the buzz is about with the Pats and the players they signed. They signed four guys here. They signed Bourne, Aguilar, Henry, and Smith to contracts that in 2022, next year, if they keep all four of those guys and don't restructure the deals, talking about about $48 million guaranteed. Go check it out, guys. To those four players, that's about 20% (laughs) of the salary cap. That's four guys that have never, not one of those players has had a thousand yards. Not right. one of those players has made a Pro Bowl. Hunter Henry's never played a full season in the NFL. You know what I'm saying, guys? Like, John o. Smith is good, but John o. Smith had 448 yards last year, his best season of his life. You know? I mean, born last year at his best year, and I think he didn't even have 700 yards. Aguilar, I think, also another guy that had his best year last year. So the blueprint in the NFL normally isn't to sign guys, multiple guys, take a whole bunch of chances on guys that just had their best year. 
and prior to that have no track record of success. The Correct. Patriots not only did that, they gave them big money while they did it. Big time money, like Mike said. I'd much rather have Corey Davis than Borna Aguilar. Absolutely. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, and we got him to a much a much more um, agreeable deal for the squad. I mean, the cap hit for Aguilar next year is $15 million. He signed a two-year, $22 million deal, $15 million next year. This year, all those deals are pretty decently cap-friendly because they kind of backloaded him. But I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if I was missing something because the quarterback is still Cam Newton. Now, if the Patriots are going to reinvent offense in the NFL, I must have missed the memo. Because Cam Newton, I mean, since let me throw some stats at you, some more stats, since we're just gonna bury the Patriots and some of these moves they've made. Because this is fun. Since 2018, Cam Newton has started 17 games. In those 17 games, he has eight touchdowns and 11 interceptions. In 17 games, his quarterback rating is about a 79. We're talking about a guy that has one 4,000 yard year. I know that's not what he does. Don't get me wrong, but he has one of those since it was when he was a rookie. And you go look at Cam's output when it comes to yards, 3,800, 3,500, 3,300, 2,600 last year. Okay, this is a diminishing asset. A diminishing asset. Cam Newton, everyone said, well, he ran the ball last year, 592 yards. Had 137 carries. Take your calculator out and you see it's the lowest yards per carry of his career last year. So... What I'm wondering is with that quarterback in place, you had marginal <laughs> mediocre talent around him. Okay, I don't I don't know what I'm missing, Mike here. Did I do you is, for some reason is their offense gonna be dominant next year? Because you see, oh my god, I heard Jet fans on the radio this week. Mad. Look at the Patriots signing all these guys. Look what they're doing. As if they don't even know the guys they're signing, you know? So right. I don't right. know, Mike. Um, I think that unlike the Patriots, who signed a lot of guys. That according to me, you know, they're whatever. They're not great. Hunter Henry is good. John o. Smith is good. But then you go look and you're like, wow, neither of those guys has ever really had like a huge year. They're not Travis Kelsey. You know, they're not. They're not Kittles. And you can run the two, t- two tight end sets all you want. They'll probably have a good defense. But I just don't see how that offense, which was pathetic last year, is all of a sudden going to do a 180 with the talent they had. I mean, what do you think, Mike? I think they have psychological issues with the fact that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl and uh, Belichick's just sitting there holding his uh, spilt milk, you know, or <laughs> looking at his spilt milk. I mean, it, it's 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 it just doesn't make sense. It's not what the Patriots do. Investing the way they did, and they're screwed. Essentially, yeah. they need to win a Super Bowl. But you know, again, you look at what the Jets did; it's efficient. I don't. You look at what the New York Giants mm. just finished doing. They signed Leonard Williams, right, to a record deal. Well, well, Wookie, what, what, what do you think about that, Wookie? I think they had to. They yeah. what they gave up for him. What, what were they not going to do it? I mean, at this I mean, point, that was the smartest move for the situation. I think because obviously they can, you know, they reconstructed it. They saved some money on the cap by doing that. Yeah, they so, put themselves in a tough spot leverage-wise with the Leonard Williams deal because of how exactly. much they gave up. It's kind of exactly. like, Mike, it's kind of like what Seattle did with Jamal. You know, like, if they if they go ahead, Mike, and they don't sign Jamal Adams but gave up everything they gave up, I mean, you look stupid, yeah. you know? And right. Uh, right. I think right. when, it, when it comes to the Pats, like, when you lose, they lost Nate Solder, Malcolm Butler, Trey Flowers, Trent Brown, Dwayne Allen, Malcolm Brown, Tom Brady, and Jamie Collins all in free the last two or three years, that team. Right, yeah, and coincide that with the fact they have not drafted a Pro Bowl player since 2013. Okay, so you wow. lose all those guys they lost. I just mentioned you don't draft anybody of any value 
forever, eight or nine years, any other GM would have been fired, right, guys? And you get yourself in the situation you're in now. Oh, what? A, hold on, Mike. Injury three, one more stat. I just want to double check on this. Where, yeah, Bill Pelichick's record with the Browns is 36 and 44. His first year without Brady, it was 5 and 11. Guys, that's 41 and 55. So you can give him, you can give him, given that Matt Castle year, and that's 11 and 5 also. So that would bring the total record to 52 and 60. Let me throw some at you guys. Just food for thought for Jet fans here. Because this is what we give you. We give you these T8, these little tidbits on AABG. His winning percentage without Tom Brady, obviously, you know, he's never won a playoff game without Tom Brady, but his winning percentage with no Tom Brady is 0.464. So if you go ahead, if you go ahead and take a look at the type of coaches that have a better winning percentage than Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, names like Dan Quinn come up and Rex Ryan and Jerry Glanville and Dave Wonstadt. Knock yourself out, everybody. Go take a look. The laundry list of mediocre coaches are above him without Tom Brady. That's just food mm. for thought. Just throwing at you. Joe Walton, Weeb Eubank, Walt Michaels, and Rex Ryan, all those Jet coaches that we go on here and bash, all have a better winning percentage than Bill Belichick does without Tom Brady. Without Brady. Just saying, when guys, you, and you, when you look at the other great coaches, I mean, in basketball, Phil Jackson, his record without Jordan is, you know, we don't even need to talk about it. You look at Lombardi without Bart Starr. You look at a lot of these guys that didn't have their superstar, they're still winners. So anyway, it speaks for itself. Yeah, um, yeah. It's nice to point it out sometimes. Sometimes oh, you just yeah. got to point it out, Mike. And just to remind people that we get yep. lost in these narratives sometimes. Look with the Patriots signed, all this, all that. And then like you sift through and you're like, what well, they signed? <laughs> if the Jets signed Kendrick Bourne, do you know what the league would say? All right. No one would care. Nobody right. would care if the Jets signed Nelson Aguilar and Bourne. Nobody would say the Jets are loading up a wide receiver. Nobody would say that at all. But for the Pats, it's like, oh my God, man, they freaking signed two mediocre wide receivers. Now, what Cam, doing. now they unlock the secret to Cam Newton because Nelson Aguilar was there. <laughs> Get out of my face with that nonsense. Trash. But you know what we want to do, guys? We signed two big guys brought to the team. Mike touched on them. We want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Lawson, a little bit of a deeper dive here on Corey Davis. Two newest high profile additions to the squadron. Let's go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We're going to get right to it. The newest Jet wide receiver, Corey Davis. One of the best free agent wide receivers out there. Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin already got franchise tag, Alan, uh, Alan Robinson, the same deal. But, Mike, big addition to the squad. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about him? Corey Davis from Western Michigan University as a sophomore in 2014. Davis had 78 receptions for 1,408 yards, 15 touchdowns. As a junior in 2015, Davis had 90 receptions, 1,436 yards, 12 touchdowns. Tennessee Titans selected Davis in the first round, fifth overall in 2017, the highest draft selection from Western Michigan University. Davis finished his rookie year with 34 receptions for 375 yards, finished his second professional season with 891 yards, four receiving touchdowns, 55 rushing yards in 16 starts. He led the Titans in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Davis finished his third season with 43 receptions, for 601 yards, two touchdowns in 15 games, 11 starts. Last year, Davis last year gained 544 of his career-high 984 receiving yards off play action last season, according to NFL's Next Gen Stats. 
Davis also averaged 5.2 yards per route on play action passes, which was the most in the league in 2020. Mike LaFleur, meanwhile, comes from San Francisco, where the 49ers dialed up play action passes on 27% of their dropbacks from 2017 to 2020. That ranks seventh in the NFL over that span. Davis is an imposing physical threat who can stretch the field six foot three wide out, averaging 15.7 yards per catch, which ranked in the top 20 among qualified receivers this past season. Chad Johnson, who is regarded as one of the best route runners of all time, literally cried when watching Corey Davis run routes out of college, saying, Corey Davis <laughs> is a effing monster, too. I like his game a lot. That's who we got, Jet fans. Guys, he's bringing people to tears just running routes. I mean, let's go. Let's go. Okay, nor we used to our receivers bringing us to tears for other reasons, so that's good to hear. <laughs> I think, Mike, it's a guy last week we spoke of that I thought was a realistic shot for us just because of the contract demands. I didn't think we we're going to be too ridiculous. It turns out none of these wide receivers are getting crazy money, so no one's getting a huge contract, it seems like, for these wide receivers. But his college career, stats that he had there, and it's killing it. They're like mad killing stats. It. Yeah, yeah, number yeah. five overall pick. Uh, I know he's, he, for a few years there, kind of spun his wheels there in Tennessee, really picked it up last year. That offense, too, is the type of offense that they run the ball a lot. Um, last year when A.J. Brown got there, I think he was really able to take off. Here in New York... If they do add a Juju Smith-Schuster, who knows? That will help him out big time. But I think even just him and Mims, putting those guys out on the outside, well, that's going to be dangerous combination because Mims showed Absolutely. us in flashes last year. We didn't get to see it too often because of the way the offense was set. We have the worst offensive coach of all time. Uh, we, you know, for some reason, Mike, at the end of the season, we looked and we're like, how does this guy get two targets a game? Like, I don't know what happened at the end of the year with Mims. We can't blame him. We know who our coach was. But I think the Jets definitely put themselves in a much better position next year at wide receiver. If they don't get Juju, and they have Crowder here still, and they have Mims, and they have a big-time target like Davis who can work and play action off. It's all going to be contingent on us actually being able to run the ball. Well, right. we'll need to be able to do that. But if we could, you know, run the ball even just at a moderate level, we know how, how effective that play action is. And all I've heard from pundits, friends, and the like is that this is a positive signing for the Jets. Uh, people that know wide receivers really well say this is an ascending player, kind of just like Lawson. Kind of maybe uh, we're hitching our up to him at the right time. What do you think, Wook? I know there's a bunch of receivers out there. You guys might be bringing in Galladay. Do you think for the money they gave him, which wasn't too ridiculous, uh, this, was a, this was a solid signing for the Jets? Oh, I think it definitely was. I mean, Corey Davis, absolutely, last year, you said it best uh, before Keith, when you said spun his wheels a little bit. You've got Derrick Henry there. Why would you not give him the ball? And, you know, with A.J. Brown, I mean, come on. But I like the kid. I've always liked him as a wide receiver. Coming off his best year seems to me to be the best time to grab him. Yeah. And for, especially for the deal that they got. I mean, come on. Yeah. And especially like, you know, the Jets, it's not like the Jets took a bunch of chances on guys that just were good right. last year. Kind of like I got to with the Pats. This is a guy that was decent player. Got a shot last year, got the most targets, especially with the play action there. Killed it, Mike. Big time yep. target at six foot three. And I think he's somebody that um in the offense that we're gonna run, and Mike really broke it down really well. And when it comes to this LaFleur offense, seems like a perfect fit. So I'm stoked about that. And like even more important signing to the squad, a position we have not had an effective pass rusher i guess you can count calvin pace mike if you want we'll throw him on the list but to be honest it's really been john abraham since we had someone off the edge creating any type of havoc we got a guy in lawson that i know and this is one of the things i said to mike mike was messaging to me to me when we got lawson 
how excited he was. And I wasn't as excited because I had some other guys targeted higher. But I did the work when I looked into it. A much better player than I realized, causing all types of havoc there in Cincinnati, all types of pressures, all types of quarterback hits. Why don't you tell the AABG audience a little bit more about Carl Lawson, Mike? Carl Lawson, as a true freshman out of University of Auburn, 20 tackles and four sacks in his freshman year. He missed his sophomore year in 2014 due to a torn ACL. In 2015, Lawson played only seven games his junior season due to injuries, recording 17 tackles and one sack which allowed him to drop in his stock in the NFL draft. He was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the fourth round, 116th overall in 2017. Played in all 16 games with one start, recording 16 tackles and 8.5 sacks. His 8.5 sacks finished second on the team behind Geno Atkins, nine, and first among all rookies, earning him a spot on the all-rookie team. In 2018, Lawson played in eight games before suffering a season-ending torn ACL in Week 8. He placed on injured reserve. Though he tallied just five and a half sacks last season, Lawson constantly got pressure on the quarterback. He ranked first in quarterback knockdowns with 27, second in quarterback hits with 32, tied for fourth in pressures with 44, and his pass rush get-off was 0.73 seconds, which is tied for fourth in the league per NFL next-gen stats. The Bengals had an NFL lowest sack-ranked defense. Lawson was among the league leaders in producing hits on the quarterback despite that. Just last season, he led all pro D linemen with 32 QB hits, and his 54 hits the past two seasons trail only Chargers' Joey Bosa. Those are numbers that blend nicely with the defense that Salah and Albrecht will bring to the New York Jets. Williams, Quinn and Williams, meanwhile, finished fourth in pass rush win rate among defensive tackles, while Fadokasi provided to be solid in the middle of the defensive line as well. With John Franklin Myers sliding into the defensive end role, the Jets just need a quick presence on the edge to attack the quarterback to complete this defense. Carl Lawson does just that. Yeah, man, you combine this guy with Quinnen Williams in the middle and what Quinnen was able to get done last year. Fatu Kasi, just like a perennially underrated player. Unless you're a Jets fan, you really don't know how successful he's been in the middle. But Quinnen Williams, I think, is the most important component to all of this. Because even with the signing of Lawson, that's our best defensive player. That's the that's who the defense is going to kind of revolve around. And what he's able to call it, the disruption he's able to cause in the middle of that defensive line, even last year with really no other weapons coming from the edge, blitzing from any direction. Um, Quinnen was still able to get towards the quarterback, create a lot of problems. His, his pass block win rate, like you said, is tremendous. And I do think when you add Lawson into the mix and we actually have a guy off the edge like when you see when you think of qb pressures when you think of um quarterback hits it's just not a thing the jets have had as part of the defense in a really long time i know jamal adams had some sacks a couple years ago and he was getting in there but it's it's kind of a different thing when you're generating sacks from the safety position because when you're blitzing your safety you're kind of leaving a big hole there in the secondary when you can do it from the linebacker spot it's a lot more effective a lot better to manage your defense this is a guy that's been causing all types of problems for quarterbacks i mean when you're on the Bengals, i don't think necessarily there was a lot there was that many other players in the Bengals that people were uh, scheming after or too concerned about um, when it came to the defense last year aside from Lawson and I know the sack total that's one of the things I said to Mike the sack I'm like well you know what I'd rather have someone that has the production and stuff like that but 
when it comes to sacks, we we know it's you know it's so finicky. Like you know. He had however many pressures, Mike. I think you said the most pressures in the league, 32, 33 pressures on the quarterback from where he was. Mm -hmm. um, he had five and a half sacks from those pressures. And he had a whole bunch of QB hits also. So you think, man, if just six or seven or eight or more of those are sacks, right? Quarterback has to hold the ball a little longer. All of a sudden, the quarterback gets flushed out to the left side because Quinton Williams went straight up the middle of the defensive line. Now he has seven or eight more sacks, and he has 13 or 14 sacks. And he's one of the top five in the league, because I think last year Watt had the most, and he had about 14 or 15. So that's someone that could threaten to have a 14 or 15 sack year. Um, you paid him decent money. They haven't paid a guy this type of money at that position in a long time. He's the highest paid Jet right now, is Carl Lawson, right. highest paid guy on the team. But edge rushers, that's what they get. And a guy like him... Most guys like him, Mike, that can, you know, generate what he can generate when it comes to pressures and hits that maybe upside can get you 14, 15 sacks in a perfect world. They're going to get, they're going to command that type of money. Right. So I don't, I don't necessarily think yep. it's an overpay. I think it may be to some people just because of the sack production. Um, they're like, wow, three years, 45 million. But the thing is, if you can get in there and get 10 plus sacks and just be a threat off the edge constantly that team has to worry about has to have to split that running back out to block for him maybe that creates more uh um, less of a, of a presence blocking quinn in the middle it's just so many positives from that signing and i couldn't be more excited because that's that was the biggest glaring hole and it's been a been a hole forever so it's really happy with that signing mike you made me a believer when i was when i was upset at first just that they didn't get the guy i wanted which was shaq barrett but that was that was probably pie in the sky i was being unrealistic but lawson in theory in theory, next year, end of the year, you might look and he could have more sacks than Shaq Barrett. You know, you never know. Well, it's funny that you mentioned him. Um, when you look at some of this talent, you know, you look at the the, kid, the young talent and you just ask, how are they being utilized? How are they being worked in a scheme? A guy like Shaq Barrett, drafted by the Denver Broncos back in 2014, his sack totals read none in 2014 five in 2015 one and a half in 2016 four in 2017 three in 2018 with qb hits 12 4 12 and 7 was not being used properly in the right scheme and what happened he was brought over to tampa bay in 2019 boom 19 and a half sacks right away brought over because they understood how to use him correctly in that type of scheme top bowls right already understood how to how to use a talent like that so shaq barrett is a very good uh example of how talent can be underutilized and then once used in the correct way can now i'm not saying that carl lawson is going to have 19 and a half sacks but what i will say is this shaq, uh carl lawson can get to the quarterback yeah and we know that he can yeah and on a team that was ranked at the bottom of uh sacks you know a team that does not get to the quarterback he was already able to lead the league you know in the in the categories that he did so i think a guy like sala can use a weapon like this along with uh you know having him on the on the edge with a with a guy like quinn williams in the middle can cause tremendous damage uh, up front and cause havoc to some of these offensive lines. Mike, what do you think when it comes to the Juju Smith-Schuster talk? Sam Darnold. They played together Ooh. at USC. They had a good connection when they were there. We spoke on him last week. Seems to kind of be an undervalued guy. I know, and we, we talked about this a little bit on our chat today, 
with people talking about, you know, off the field stuff and bad press. So much of that's just a, uh, just a byproduct of the age we live in because right. it's not like Juju Smith-Schuster has, you know, bad press like Deshaun Watson has right now, right. you know? <laughs> Which I'm not saying that's true or not true. I just mean his bad press is just him being on Twitter. Saying, yeah. saying the Browns are the Browns, you know, like stuff right. like that, dancing on Instagram. It's the type of it's the type of Brad Press that the optics aren't good for old fashioned people like us. We don't want to see that stuff. But in reality, you're like, wow, Judas Misuser is doing all these things in the city of Pittsburgh. He's yeah. showing up, going to the prom with some, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler for all these things. Like he seems like a pretty decent guy. But separate from decent that, Mike, dude, yeah. do you think the talk of bringing Juju in if they were to land him, you think that lends itself more towards Sam having a chance of coming back next year? Depends. I mean, I think that Juju Smith-Schuster is an add to our talent. I think that talent will always win the day. And I believe that, you know, I know Joe Douglas talks about bringing in high character people, but I still think that a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, given his age, given his two elite seasons that he's already have under his belt, um, for the right price, I think we will end up bringing him in here. Um, from what I'm hearing now, over social media and Twitter is that uh, currently Juju and his agent are using the Jets as leverage for other teams. I hope that's not the case. But if Juju wants to be a New York Jet and is committed to excellence, then uh, I think that he would be an absolutely amazing addition. And it would then, we would have to look at a guy like Sam and say, hey, do we bring a guy like Sam Darnold back because he has that you know, chemistry or whatever? in my opinion it's irrelevant whether we bring in juju or not it's time to move on from sam we've already kicked that yes can. and you know what yep. you hear i'm gonna throw a couple things at you guys because i mean let me tell you something the ain't easy being green stats department the interns they weren't fire today guys absolute <laughs> fire they have a few more little tidbits here for you guys and then we'll sign out um when it comes to being the worst ranked quarterback in the league I got some I got some sad, sad news for Jet fans here, guys. I got some sad news because the interns went through it, guys. Now I'm not gonna go back 40 years in the NFL. Let's just go back to when the Jets drafted Mark Sanchez, right? The year before that we had Favre. 2009 we drafted Mark Sanchez. Now from 2009 to 2000 to 2020, which was last season, but 12 NFL seasons have been played. Mm-hmm. Eight of those 12 NFL seasons, guys, eight of them. And I'll go through them for you just so you remember. Eight of them, we either had the lowest ranked quarterback, quarterback ranking wise, rating wise in the league, or almost the lowest ranked quarterback. In 2009, Mark Sanchez's QB rating was a 63, guys. In 2010, his QB rating was a 73. (laughs) No, only a couple guys worse than him. 2011, 2011, thankfully for Mark Sanchez, Christian Ponder played football and Blaine Gabbert, or else he would have been one of the lowest guys because he was a 78.2, and that was the best year he ever had. 2012, he actually was the lowest guy again. It was a 66.9, guys. 2013, now we know Mark Sanchez got hurt. In come Geno Smith. Guess who the lowest rated passer in the league was, guys? Oh. Geno Smith, Smith? 66.5. Now we're going to run right through this, guys. 2014, uh, Bortles and Hoyer. Geno Smith was a 77.5, almost one of the lowest ranked. 2015, Ryan Mallett and Fitzpatrick uh, and Kaepernick were the lowest. 2016, Brock Osweiler was the lowest. 2017, Deshaun Kaiser and Trevor Simeon oh. were the lowest ranked passers. 2018, Josh Allen along with Sam Bortles 
and um, Rosen were all the lowest ranked guys. Remember, they're all right around a 66. Josh Allen might be the only exception to this rule in this point I'm about to make. 2019, Kyle Allen and Mason Rudolph were the lowest rated quarterbacks, along with almost Sam Darnold. And then 2020, Sam's third year in the league, he was the lowest ranked quarterback in the league. So when I run through these names, guys, and you go back years and you look at the bottom of the league ranked quarterbacks, and you see Jamarcus Russell and Sanchez and Clawson and Blaine Gabbard and Ponder and Matt Castle and Terrell Pryor Sr. and Brandon Whedon and Blake Borles and Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallon and Colin Kaepernick and Brock Osweiler and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Deshaun Kaiser and Trevor Simeon and Josh Rosen and Kyle Adel and Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins in 2019. What I say to myself, guys, what I say with all those laundry lists of names is that any of those guys turn out to be good quarterbacks? Did no, I, no. Did any of them? So when you hear people say as if it's a foregone conclusion, as if you just don't get football if you don't see the fact that Sam Darnold can turn it around. It, it drives me it crazy. It makes me mad. It makes me mad. And Rich Rich Samini just said, just tweeted yesterday, if it's my two cents, they should keep Sam and sell the second and get all. And I, I, I just want to, I want to grab Rich. I want to talk to Rich and just be like, Rich. So talk talk to me what what do we do next year because next year by the way there's there's no quarterback crop so do you uh, pick up his fifth year you know, option like, and you pay you, 20 million dollars right. like what do what do we do now rich right now rich we we have the number 2 pick in in a strong quarterback draft right now and we have a quarterback who's the worst in that like where's your head do you not understand how hard it is to <laughs> find quarterback talent and you are here saying well it was left up to me i would explain this to me rich oh yeah yeah, yeah but, well, well you're gonna keep sam so then what do you do when he flops uh, rich you know it did and it, when it, you go no through sense. when you go through i just went to 2009 yeah. when you go through all of the worst quarterbacks in the league right sam's been right at the bottom three years in a row right to what list you're the actual worst and when you go through them what we're saying when you people say oh no sam could turn it around he could be good somewhere else what you're saying but you don't realize you're saying is he's going to be the first quarterback ever to be the worst ranked quarterback in the league passing rating wise as a young quarterback on the ascension and then he turns it around he was right. the worst right. one year he's going to be the first guy he's the exception to the rule forget about the history of the nfl forget about that laundry list that garbage pile of quarterbacks I just mentioned to you guys, just every right. scrub you can remember, I just went through, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you just, you, scrubs you forgot about, I just mentioned to you guys, okay? Because you erased them for your mind because you don't want to think about them, okay? Those are the guys he's rubbing shoulders with, but people are like, no, they should bring him back. It's Gase's fault. And you gotta, you gotta be realistic, guys. G Adam Gase wasn't throwing the ball directly to the Patriots the last game of the season last year. Mm -hmm. when, when Sam had all his receivers back and everybody was healthy. I mean, the mistakes that he made, and Joe Blue would explain it much better than me and Mike ever could, but the mistakes he made when he was a rookie, the same mistakes he made last year. And you can blame it on coaching, you can blame it on the Jets, you can blame it on whatever the case may be. But if you have a garden outside and you plant a bunch of seeds and they don't grow well because, oh, I did every single thing wrong. Then the next time you dig it up and you do every single thing right. You don't go, no, I'm going to take this, this messed up area and vegetation I destroyed. I'm going to keep trying to plant in that. No, you rip that out. You rip the roots out and you start again. So he might be ruined and it might be the Jets' fault, but it is what it is. And if you're saying Sam's going to be the guy somewhere else, he'll have a shot, hopefully, right? But I doubt it because what you're saying is that he's going to defy the history of the NFL. It's ridiculous. Can I can I hit on uh, just a few of the signings that we had? Because there's one that's really, really uh, an impressive signing, potentially, that 
is under the radar and people aren't talking about, and that's linebacker Jared Davis. I don't know, if Keith, if you've looked at his statistics when he got drafted, but he actually was pretty decent, and he had a really good sophomore season. But you know what happened? Matt Patricia became Matt Patricia. their head coach. Yeah. <laughs> goes the Detroit Lions version of Adam Gase. Exactly. Rushed this cat's yep. career. Dude, I was reading up on this dude. He his set like before Patricia, people were looking at him like, oh, this kid's about to break out. Yep. You know, a hundred combined tackles, seventy-three solo tackles, had yep. six sacks on the way up, and then Patricia, right? So what I'm hearing is what that Sala and the Jet Brass see him, they think that he is going to be a very, very good the Sam linebacker, the oh, strong okay. or middle linebacker, mostly probably playing middle. So he could play the strong side and then uh, and then we have our boy on the weak side, but you know, he's had some injury issues. But I really think this kid, Jared Davis, could be something that they found in he's young. And he just needs to, again, to be used the right way. Um, Justin Hardy, do you know how upset the Saints fans were with losing this guy? I did not know. Legend. Legend, son. For Brent Boyer. Overlooked. You know, obviously. No, he's a cornerback, uh, uh, special teamer. But he's overlooked. I mean, these special teamers are always overlooked. But I think Coach Salah's not that type of guy. If you look at the type of coach he is, where he came up through the ranks here, he's a guy that pays attention to that. Grabbing a guy like Hardy, it's not like they signed him to a crazy contract, but he affects the game. Every time he's in there, it might be only six or seven plays, but every play matters. Exactly. That's the type of coach we have now. Not a guy that's on the sideline, not even paying attention to the defense when they're on the field like Adam Gase, who's a complete clown. Not a robot on the sideline like we have with Todd Bowles. Sharp guy, no charisma. I don't think he really got through to the team that well just because of his personality type. Salah seems like, when it comes to coaches, the best of both worlds. Mike, when it comes to Davis, he had about 196 tackles his first two years in the league. Yeah. Patricia comes, drops (laughs) off the face of the earth. His pro football rating drops to like a 30, you know? So, Same, dude. And you can, you can, now the players have to take ownership too, right? It's not always a coach, oh, of course. but it just seemed like from what I read, he was not being played at a position that would maximize his skill set. And here with the Jets, what they're going to be asking him to do fits in perfectly. Yes. That's, that's a, that's a low-key signing that, um, you know, by the end of next year, that could be somebody with a hundred tackles. That could be, that could be next year's Neville Hewitt that we all there love. You go. At there linebacker, you, go. you know? That, that's why I just wanted to highlight him real quick. I wanted, I wanted Jeff fans to understand about him. The other two signings, we had Keelan Cole. I don't know how you feel about him. I think he's a pretty good depth signing. I mean, he's better than, you know, what was his name? We had a bunch of starting at receiver last year. We had year Lawrence Cager last year. Not, like We had guys that like Malone, in the, pre- Malone. Had, when the preseason when they play, it's fine. <laughs> but all of a sudden we had dudes that, you know, we didn't even, I had to Google them, you know. Before the <laughs> and we do a Jets podcast, so that shouldn't have to be a thing. So, yeah, like Josh Malone, I'm like, yeah. who? But you know what's wild? Our like... Our signing of Cole, which is like a one-year, $5 million deal, which more than likely, like I was, hopefully, is just a depth signing. You know, I mean, it's yeah. good to have a number three or four receiver. Someone gets hurt, he can definitely play. He had more yards last year than Kendrick Bourne. Everyone that's tripping, everyone's going so crazy about signing with the back. Crazy. Oh, this guy's a better receiver than he is. You wow. know? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. 600, Look at how we put that in perspective. Yards. Look at that. Oh, yeah, 642 it. yards, five TDs last year for our boy. And that was on the Jacksonville Jaguars, the worst team in the NFL with pathetic quarterback play. Cole was still able to get some production done there. So that's another another smart signing by yeah. Jody. One year, five million. He's not throwing yeah. money around all stupid. I don't, no. know what happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Belichick. You know, it seems like one of these ID channel shows I see where just late in life, someone just like has a has an end of the life crisis. They're just throwing money around wild. <laughs> you know, and as in, it's not a situation you see people be like, oh, they've done that in the past with free agents. And they have, but guess what the difference was then? They had Tom Brady then. 
Right. That's right. So, I mean, I'm excited about next year. I'm not saying the Jets are going to be perennial favorites to win the division or anything like that. Probably still be the Bills. Probably still be the um, um, the Pats behind them. But I'm excited about some of the moves we made. I think when we come on here next week with part two of the free agency blast, there'll be more guys added to the squad. We'll have some more clarity when it comes to wide receiver. Some more clarity maybe when it comes to that cornerback position. Maybe we'll add to one of these uh, veteran running backs. I didn't know what you think maybe about adding Todd Gurley and his bum knees, Mike. Just for inside the 20. Just give them the ball in the red zone. Don't even have them play until you get to the red zone, okay? Because all he could do is run 20 yards about this point in his career. Even though even though I think Todd Gurley is all 27 years old, he has the knees of a 75-year-old man. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what we all know. I mean, his knees, him, if you go and take an MRI of Morgan Freeman's knees or Todd Gurley's knees, you can't tell the difference. That's There's right. no I difference. Mean, unfortunately, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And I think there Morgan is Freeman is, difference. at this point, I think Morgan Freeman is 95 years old. So that's Probably tremendous. a little more spry. <laughs> Morgan, Morgan Freeman legit doesn't age. You can give Morgan Freeman the ball from the five. I think he gets it. Whatever he has going on in his life, I want some of that because he looks 60, 25 years ago, and he looks the same way right now, Morgan Freeman. I know. God friend. bless him. God bless him and his wonderful voice. I work in the voice acting department, so Morgan Freeman, man, you're the, you're the messiah of all voice actors. All right, that was a great episode this week, guys. Free agency 2021. We're feeling good about it. Some good additions to the team. Hopefully some more this week. Mike, if anyone wants to get at us, support us, tweet at us, or know anything about the ABG world, where could they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, please hit up the YouTube. Give us a like. Give us a subscription, guys. We'll shamelessly pander for one because we want to build the support as much as we can. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us this week. You heard the man sign us out. The biggest Jets fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris. The big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Cronk. My name is Keith Farrell. Get at you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is your name. Your name. Your name. And uh, they say it ain't easy. Have their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break, the great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. We're talking about the process at which we do things. I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rep, own this rep. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Yeah.